Testing, testing. Good morning, everyone. You're testing. We hear you. <clears throat> yeah, Nastya, moving forward, uh, just talking to the moderator host, always send me a speaker invite before, I keep forgetting to tell you, before co-hosting me, just because it glitches otherwise and then Scott starts complaining. And then, you know, I'm trying to build a good relationship with Scott's been improving recently. So it messes it up when there's issues like this and we have to argue off the off the air. So, well, on the air by the looks of it. Ah. Mario, I'm um, look. I'm wow. I'm being a responsible moderator and making sure things go smoothly. You know, you just pop up here and things all run. You expect you think they run naturally? No, man. There's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes, and I'm putting in that work That's every right. day. Very intense. Every day, all day. While you do, all while day. you were last, I spoke to Mario was this morning, two and a half hours ago, and he was uh, literally stepping into a bath full of freezing cold water. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, good to chat to you again. Yes, it's a pleasure. It's like we never talk and we just have to air it out here, you know? Mm. Um, I didn't know you're an extrovert, by the way. Even though you seem I, like it. I'm trying to Yeah, I'm pretty I think I'm pretty extroverted. Oh. I've been I've been told that. I will ask Emmy. Mario tried to describe me as an introvert earlier and I laughed out loud. <laughs> um let's get ran up. Um I was having problems getting Peter Cheer up. I don't know what was going on. It was rejecting. Uh, what did you? What did you? Attempts. What did you focus on in your show? Was it back to the ETF or markets or what exactly? Or the Coinbase case? No, we, sorry, we, we, were, we were talking. Yeah, we were talking almost exclusively about uh, United States debt um, and stock markets hitting new highs, right, with the uh, recession that never comes. So it was sort of, uh, you know, obviously we have a pretty diverse panel on Mondays, uh, myself, Lavish, uh, Mike McGlone and, and Dave Weisberger. And Mike's been beating the great reset drum for a long time and, uh, you know, stocks continue to go up. So it's sort of been the uh, debate as to what's going on there. Okay, know, so think, what's the, uh, I, I want to do the, I think there's a big smack coming when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, the, the inflation narrative because of the Houthis. I don't know if you guys saw Balaji's tweet. Where he said, uh, I can find a few guys. So he said, unfortunately, the Houthis are winning. How can we tell? Because costs are elevated, volumes have persistently declined, all ships are taking the long way around, bombing isn't winning, peace and trade is winning, big fire can obscure a big loss in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. But this time we have hard grafts and pull costs go down and volume goes up. This is the, uh, this is a military and economic defeat. Not just for Europe. This isn't just their problem. This is an economic impact. Uh, the economic impact isn't limited there, and neither is the political fallout. Uh, before I respond to that one, because obviously I'm covering it uh, very extensively, Peter, I'd, I'd uh, reset your app, Twitter, leave it Twitter completely shut, close, force close Twitter, reopen it, and then you should be able to come up on stage. Uh, I, I wanted to ask uh, Scott, in, Ryan, I told you guys last week, I want to do ah, perfect. Is that Peter speaking? Yeah, that was Peter. I'm back on. Oh, okay. You show as a listener to me. So if you glitch out, uh, don't be surprised and just force close it. I, I wanted to do like a TLDR of what you guys covered in the show very briefly before we kick off our show. I think it'd be good. Kind of like we sum up what you guys discussed on YouTube because you do it just before this one and then we kick it off with a panel. Um, I think that model will be really cool. Um, so obviously you talked about the Houthis, Ren. I've gone through your agenda as well. Scott, you talked about equities. What's it, What's the TLDR, Scott, on your end before we go to Ren? Because I know Ren covered more topics. I mean, the TLDR is you can't uh, can't fight the facts, and obviously Dow, S and P, Nasdaq, all in blue sky breakouts for new all time highs right now. And I think there's just the endless debate on you know what's going on with the plumbing when there's so many sort of negative indicators when you look at the actual economy and how is the stock market fighting that and continuing to to just rise dramatically and seemingly endlessly. Um, but, you know, but isn't isn't no, it? Yeah, but isn't aren't the markets just being forward looking? And don't, don't the markets indicate where pe where investors think the economy is heading and inflation is heading? I mean, to, to to some degree, I think that would be a lot of people's arguments. Um, the question is if the Fed is actually heading there, and we probably have better. Uh, I would love to get Peter up here, better people than me to to talk about that. But I think that there's definitely. Uh, a debate to be had about when the Fed will pivot and what that means, uh, considering that predictive markets have been wrong this entire cycle as to when the Fed would pivot, uh, how fast, how hard. Um, you know, I'm just starting to get a feeling that it's going to be pretty much uh, more of the same until the election. And then we'll really see what's happening in 2025 when they uh, take their foot off the uh, manipulative gas, so to speak. And yeah, Ryan, I, I wanted to go to you as well. I know you discussed. 
Oh, Peter, go ahead. You, Peter, you keep glitching on my end. I'm surprised you're on stage. Interesting. I don't ahead. see Peter up, but he can talk. So that's Sorry good. About yeah. That. But, uh, yeah. Wait, so, yeah. Last okay. week was interesting because we kind of started pricing less of a Fed pivot. So when you look at the probability of rate cuts, they went down across the board. Fewer rate cuts. Yields went slightly higher. So what I think was happening is people are starting to price recession off the table. And that kind of makes sense. You can get slightly higher yields. Stocks go up because recessions have bit off the table. I think it's premature to think that because I think the data has been mixed. Um, you know, people are being overly confident about the Michigan consumer confidence. And to me, that's always been kind of a bogus number. It's just a kind of strange one. Um, TSMC, their you know earnings release and their talk about the forward looking for chips and cell phones. That was very positive. But again, I think the market got ahead of itself. So I think we're pricing in too much. I think the big risk, though, is all the issues that drove the 10 year to 5% last uh, fall are still mostly around. People haven't been addressing. I think you start seeing yields press higher, even if the Fed is going to pivot. That's going to be a weighing on stocks. And the other thing I really don't like and strikes me as odd is it's we kind of went back to the last year's trade where everyone's just buying a few stocks. Breath has been weak. Russell was down last week. Russell's still down. And what really strikes me as odd is ARC, who I would think should be a high beta version of the NASDAQ is actually down. So it's just everyone's concentrated on a few bets. And I think people are getting squeezed out of shorts on specific names that they thought were going to sell off. So I'm looking for the sell off to resume. Um, it's gotten way ahead of itself in terms of the economic outlook and what the Fed's doing. And uh, you, you, how would you relate? So you're talking about the sell off when it comes to equities? Or are you talking about crypto, Peter? Equities more so. Um, you know, I think crypto. Okay, how does that relate to crypto? You know, again, I think it's not uncommon. You're seeing crypto sell off along with something like ARC. I think you're going to break this forty thousand, maybe go to thirty five thousand, only because I, I expected to see more net inflows with the launch of the Bitcoin ETFs. Certainly expected GPTC to have some big outflows. That's happening. It's ongoing. I just am not seeing kind of this demand that should be pent up. I'm not seeing RIAs kind of rush into it. They may come in, you know, there's advertising everywhere. But I think right now, a lot of people front ran Bitcoin in particular. And from some of the people I've been listening to on this, they called 42,000, 40,000 as kind of important stop loss levels. It feels like we're going to trigger those, break lower, and then we can reset this. Um, but again, I'm just a little bit disappointed. I was hoping for a little bit more pent up demand on you know the new bit what were yeah. what, what were you the, the total net flow so far is at 1.2 billion and around you've covered that as well so what were you expecting peter and then Rand, i'd love to get your no, thoughts on the ets I, I was thinking we'd get two to five billion pretty quickly out of the gate that there was a lot of money just sitting there waiting for this and certainly the first week was odd because it started on a thursday but we had all last week and it really hasn't built up the momentum and you know fidelity's i think been the most successful it's up over a billion um but even there, it seems like more of a trading vehicle right now, and people are trading it around rather than you know truly just investing. So that's been the disappointment. I'm just not sensing the buzz. I feel like there was all this buzz, all this momentum. Everyone in the crypto space was waiting for Wall Street to latch onto it, and it still sounds like it's all the same voices. I haven't picked up any kind of new voices really saying, "Hey, this is great." You know, you've obviously got Larry Fink out there, but he's been on this for a little while, so. It, that's where I kind of see, I want to see some more buzz and some inflows really to match that. And I thought we should be at two to 5 billion a week into this, two weeks into this. And Ryan, I know you've covered this as well. Um, I know you were also disappointed from the early stages and we had a whole debate about it. What are your thoughts on the new numbers? Well, I mean, I'm, I think I'm in the same boat as Peter here. Whereas I think net, look, net, net, we are positive. So, so far, so far, like I'm just celebrating the fact that we we have more Bitcoin in ETFs than have left ETFs because there was a big you know like it's a big tug of war between Grayscale and, and others. Um, that said, I think pretty disappointing launch. Maybe not when you compare it to other ETFs, um, but I think just in general, I was expecting a lot more from the ETF launch, and I think that now. When I look at this market, I don't see any way that we don't tap that 39600 I don't see any way that we don't close that CME gap. I mean, it's only and a few hundred dollars down now. It's almost a non-event, even if we do, right? I mean, yeah. When you say when you're hitting 40200 40400 whatever it is, 40000 is just a number. You're talking about a few hundred dollars of price action. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, I think that I mean I, I've been calling it for a while, you know. I've been calling this, this, this I've been I've been tweeting thirty nine thousand six hundred for weeks now, saying, look, it's just there's no, there's no chance that we don't tap that level. Problem is, if you break you think, below that, 
Mm. The, the, I was going to ask about that. The next, like, significant, yeah, the next level is 37. So it's 39.6, and then it's 37, 37.5. Like that's that's mm. the next level. And what do you think we'll bottom at, and why? I don't like to call the top, but like, you know, if you, you know, the problem is if you try and pick a bottom, you know what happens. Mm-hmm. You get, you get it wrong and or, or, or it nukes right through. <laughs> Two things. <laughs> no, nah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Every time I try to pick my bottom, I shoot my finger, bro. So it's, I mean, it, yeah, but what would you? So don't. What? Yeah, ex- but when? When? Uh, I'm sure you've got a number where you start getting back into the market. Uh, what? What's that number? For I you? think it's not a number. I, I think it's not a number as much as it's a sentiment. I think right now people aren't scared and there's no panic. And I buy on panic. And right now, zero panic. I mean, do you feel panic? Are you, are you panicked in any way, Mario? You don't sound panicked to me. Hmm. So, Go. yeah, to me, to me, I just, mm, not a, not a, I'm not, I don't feel panic in this market. That said, there are a lot of shorts that are piling up at the moment. A lot of shorts are piling up at the moment. So there may be a short squeeze before we get down, before we get down to the bottom. You may get a quick short squeeze where, you know, all these shorts could just get squeezed out. Ran, I haven't looked. What is funding uh, and what's open interest on the short side? And then also, I have maybe another question you might know the answer to because I haven't looked. Have we seen any more uh, tranches come from Grayscale to Coinbase today? Uh, so there were, every morning there are there are moves. The moves today weren't crazy, um, but but every morning there are moves. And what about on the short side? Like you said, shorts are piling up. What, how, how, how big is that? Hard to see. Hard to see. All you see is you see the open interest going up. You, you make an assumption that it's longs and shorts. Uh, I, I'm making an assumption that it's shorts based on the fact that the funding rates went negative. And they're not crazy negative. Like the, the funding rates aren't, ne- aren't crazy negative. That makes sense. They rarely stay, go really deep negative. So that, that's meaningful, I would say. Yeah. Chris, what do you and think, uh, market-wise? Uh, sorry, yeah. do you have another question? Nah, yeah, uh, I just yeah, want to yeah, well, Chris, I want, Chris thinks that yeah, you're trading I, I know, right around 40,000. You need to stop, stop avoiding giving your thoughts. I want to get your thoughts on it, and then we'll go to Chris, and, and then we'll go to the rest of the panel on the other topics. Your thoughts on the market. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, listen, I write a newsletter every day, and I talk about Bitcoin price action, so I, I have to at least have an analysis or an opinion. And I think uh, once it wicked up, <clears throat> wicked up into that sort of 49,000 area, you know, that was the 61.8 retracement back up from the all-time high of 69 down to the lows of like 15. Um, and in every pre-having cycle, although this is later in the cycle, we've seen that move back up to the 61.8% before uh, retracement. So, you know, we, we lost the 50 MA on the daily uh, for the first time since I think it was September, October when Bitcoin was trading around 26,000. It's been tested a few times as resistance. So I'm not saying I'm generally bearish. My my opinion was always buy the buy the rumor on the ETF and then buy the dip uh, if if we got one uh, on the news. I still think that. But um, until GBTC starts selling, there's no reason to think we're going to go up. So I mean, rationally, to me, the chart says a little more downside, and uh, you know, my rational brain says probably a little more downside unless we see. Uh, reduction in that GBTC selling, which could be happening. If Mark ran, if you said the numbers are lower and shorts are coming in, maybe that maybe that is it, and maybe forty thousand gets defended. Scott, totally possible. Scott, I think I don't know. If, like, the selling can continue for a long, long, long time because if in five days they sold fifty thousand Bitcoin, fifty four thousand Bitcoin, right? Or in like six days, so they're selling like ten thousand Bitcoin a day, and if they carry on at this rate. And then they'll never get to zero, but you know you've, you've still got at least sixty days of selling if they were continuing at this rate. I think what's more important is to start seeing buying. You want to see buying. That's the problem. We're not seeing like we like the we, we want to see we want to see a wave of fucking buyers come in. But there are inflows. I mean, yeah, inflows have slow. outweighed the outflows. So imagine yeah, if there was slow. no GBTC pressure. I don't. I don't think. What would what would what would what would what would the numbers be if there was no GBTC pressure? Uh, it's pressure. very hard because it's very hard because we don't know how much of that GBTC and on what lag it's going back into other ETF products. We don't know mm-hmm. what percent of it was simply people, obviously, just trading the discount. Who are it was a trade and they're back out to cash. J, JP Morgan thought that was about three billion, but I have no idea why they make that assumption that that's how much it was. Um, I think it's really hard to know. Uh, clearly, there is demand, but uh, how much is the GBTC that's being sold flowing back in as inflows? So it's really hard to tell. 
Yeah, Scott, another, another bit that I think we all forgot, and maybe someone else covered it, but I missed it, is um, FTX have got a billion dollars of GBTC. So the strategy of the FTX bankruptcy is to sell immediately as soon as liquidity comes available. So I, th I don't think um, people factor that one in. And miners have been selling, right? So there's a lot of selling pressure. Uh, but yeah, that's a great point. And I've seen a lot of people, I think Meltem made a point about the GBTC unwind and how much of it was locked in sort of these uh, creditor and bankruptcy events and, you know, and how much you know, it, it could been be using nice collateral. You know, it could be nice now if the Mt. Gox liquidator just released a couple of hundred thousand Bitcoin. That would be nice. Yeah, I think two other things just, again, coming back to this whole size, right? Bitcoin's what, about 800 billion? that we're not even approaching 1% of inflow seems pr pretty weak, right? I, like 8 billion would be a tiny number. And in the grand scheme of Bitcoin, it's not even threatening that at this stage. So that's one third. And the other one, yeah, but this is an, I, I, I agree, but this is an asset where the bulk of the coins, A, we, we know a lot were lost and B, that there's just a huge uh, swath of people that are never. That's selling, a fair point. Right. So the, the other thing I'm watching and getting a little bit more nervous is China. I mean, the stock market there continues to go down every day. The real estate, I don't know whether there's at some point going to be China selling as they actually need whatever they've ported into Bitcoin to live. So I'm kind of getting a little bit the precarious nature of China. Again, I'm not sure how much is that's feeding into the Bitcoin, but every day the Chinese stock market's dumping. Real estate's supposedly a mess, and clearly China has been a big holder at one level of Bitcoin. I don't know whether they're becoming forced sellers to raise liquidity or something, but it's something I'm going to start trying to pay a little bit more attention and dig into. Dave um, Weiss wanna... spoke about that same idea on my show this morning, actually, Peter. It was the first time I'd really heard about it, but he, he made the point. He was like, listen, we know that, you know, especially with the state of things in the United States pre-ETF, uh, we know that the liquidity is all offshore. It's all in Asia. There's still excitement over there and watch what's happening in China. So you're not the free, first person even to say that to me today. So it definitely puts it on my radar. I want to move to, to Simon. I don't know if you've got further comments before going to a new Danish. Yeah, quick, on Danish quick any, one, um, uh, we'll, get, we'll go to Simon and Danish just on the, on the on just crypto in general and macro because uh, we've been discussing it for a while. Then I want to go to Chris and, and Ryan just talking about alts as well and then probably move to the... Uh, to the Binance discussion. Go ahead, Simon. No, yeah, I was just going to say to Rand, what's the bet that um, we get a US government Silk Road sale as well? Because do you know how much they've got left from the 50,000? I could be wrong, but I think they've sold off a half, but I could be wrong. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Carry on, Mary. Danish? Just on the uh, China conversation, I have to say this China issue seems to be compounding very quickly, uh, you know, especially when you put it against the situation in Japan right now, Japan, Japanese markets are now at an all time high. We're seeing a rotation in that part of the, the world. China is in deep trouble. IMF came out last week at Davos and spoke about how China is structurally in trouble. China has never sent more delegates to Davos than they did this year. They are trying to recruit businesses back to China, but because of what they what they forgot is that none of this is a given. It is all earned. They messed with the U.S. The U.S. uncoupled our financial, uh, you know, our financial uh, markets away from China, and we uncoupled our manufacturing away from China. Expect this to be great tailwinds for Indonesia, for Vietnam, for India. India is the biggest beneficiary of this, and we're going to continue to see this be an issue. The only thing around the connection between China and, uh, and crypto is that, you know, we don't know. There's been a lot of, you know, uh, there's, there was an article a couple of weeks ago about how a lot of Chinese nationals buy crypto through VPN access. Uh, and that is, you know, that, that is largely unchecked and unmeasured. Um, and so I believe that was a Wall Street Journal article, but I'll double check. Uh, so, you know, there seems to be this issue, but actually to, I, I will push back with, to Peter's point. I actually think they hold more now, right? Because if they convert it to, to one, they literally can't take it out of the country. So this is a, I, I think we see a major exodus of Chinese nationals out of China. I think China is, if I was going to say a black swan event this year, it's gonna, if there is going to be one. Uh, which I actually don't know 
my probability is very low, which makes it a true black swan event. China is the source of everyone's troubles. A, a, a deflationary China, which is where we are right now. Uh, and sorry, Peter also mentioned, but I'll, I'll double click on it. Chinese equities are at an all-time low. This is really scary stuff in China. And I, I am putting up the, the, the red flag that if I was going to say there's one thing about 2024 that we're worried about, it should be China. I will remind everybody the global financial crisis started from mortgage-backed securities for residential real estate in the United States. So I think Chinese equities are low, but I, I mean, I think with all the stimulus and everything else that's going on, it's probably a good time to start buying them. But there's one thing China is doing that U.S. doesn't do is they're letting their banks go bust. They're letting the shit debt roll out. Um, they're taking the hit now rather than rolling over the Ponzi. Yeah, but Simon, that's the problem. They're being stupid. That's, need the, to that's the good thing. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> thing for a you Bitcoin. Gotta, you gotta, it's you a bad thing for the rest of the world. Yeah, well, of course, short term bad, long term good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure your Bitcoin will feel really good to you when there's like fire in the streets. Like, I don't understand. This is like the, the nihilistic anarchist side of things. It, we don't want China to die. We want China to slowly wither away into the ether, which is what's going to hopefully happen. Right now, I can tell you there's a high likelihood that their stimulus will fail, especially on the residential real estate side. Guys, a lot of capital outflows out of China in residential real estate and in commercial real estate. Chinese people, consumers are not spending. That was the biggest retail sales were down again. This is like uh, all kinds of like awfulness going on in China. Like I said, if there's going to be a black swan event, which again, I will tell you, the probability is low in my opinion. Uh, I think Chinese stimulus hopefully will work as they keep pumping money and keep uh, debasing their, uh, their, their country and currency. I, I will say that, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that stimulus will work for all of us, all of us, not just, you know, Chinese uh, folks, they are a large, large economy. We will see India continue to ascend. Yeah, a um, couple of quick things I would just add to your points. I, I agree with most of them. I am buying some Chinese stocks for a trade because I am a contrarian. But separate from that, I think they are going to have incredible amount of difficulty convincing corporations to do anything in China other than trying to sell into China. Um, you know, we speak to a lot of corporations. Putting new manufacturing in China is on no one's radar screen whatsoever. I would add Mexico as a potential beneficiary. I think we need to get through our election, but Mexico could do very well. I'm looking for ways to invest in Mexico. India is my favorite place in the world in terms of trying to figure out how to invest. The trick is what's a good investment as an outsider to benefit when you're looking at gold and other things. Um, and then I would say the one thing to kind of add to your black swan, in my day job, I wind up working with 18 retired generals and admirals. So we do a lot of conversations, asset managers, corporations. We're starting to get asked more and more, does this economic weakness in China force their hand to do something militarily where they get to kind of take their eye, off, everyone's eye off the misery at home, much like Putin did? I think our answer so far is no. But as the economy continues, to wouldn't it? But would it? But Chris, would, but, but but Peter, wouldn't that impact the economy negatively? I understand that will, will sentiment will be by their side. No, if there's, if no there's the problem the, here is deflation. Peter is one hundred percent right. The problem is deflation, not inflation. They want inflation, and it's always they good to, to beat up on someone. They, they want production. When your sorry. people are unhappy, yeah. you go beat up on someone. That's what dictators like to do, and you know, effectively have a dictator running that country. So, and remember. They're much more susceptible, I think, to outside influence than they were in the past or even internal influence, right? They were in COVID zero until these protests started. And then all of a sudden there was no COVID in China. So he might be a little bit more precarious. Again, that's not our base case right now, but I think we've got to watch this. And I would say a deterioration in China probably is not good for the world and multiple things. And one may be a military threat from them somewhere. So Grayscale just sent uh, another 15,308 Bitcoin to Coinbase Prime. So there's, there's a, a settlement from Friday or whatever it was. So that's another 15,000. That brings them down to 70,000 Bitcoin that they've now sold, which is more than 10% of what they had. It's about 13% it's about of what they had. Ran, I have to say, I'm so happy to see that you and I are finally on the same side of history saying that this Bitcoin ETF has been a giant failure. I know I haven't come up here and said it, but when you look at net new inflows, I thought that they were going to be a quadrillion. I mean, the Cardones told me, Scott, 
that there were going to be a, a trillion, quadrillion folks that were going to come in and put trillions and quadrillions of dollars into the ETF. I mean, a little bit of sputtering, isn't it? It's a little sad. Oh, I, no, I, no, no, hold on. I always said, I always said <laughs> that in the short term, I always said that in the short term, I don't expect anything. Uh, I always said in the short term, two to five billion. And uh, I said that, by the way, in three months. And then I think that this is a, a, a much longer term bet. And, and I, I don't actually remember, Danny, but I always said, Scott will remember this very clearly. I said, as soon as the ETF comes, we're getting that 30% correction. That's, that's long overdue. Uh, and, and the reason why I said we were going to get the correction is I said, there's no way that anyone can keep up with the, the 620,000 Bitcoin that are now becoming unlocked. But that said, I haven't lost my conviction, my conviction in, in the asset. And I think what's going to land up happening is the more the price goes down, the more the fund managers are going to say, this is a great time to start fucking entering. Um, you've now had a, I don't know, 30%, 40% correction. This is when you want to start getting into assets. Can I give you the opposite side of that? Again, for everybody that knows, despite my shitting on crypto, especially cyberpunk crap and NFTs, uh, which make no sense, I, I am a Bitcoin holder. And now I, I mentioned to Scott, I will say this publicly also, I am increasing my holding of Bitcoin. Just to be clear, exactly. it is now because I, I, I think this is the right move. But I will say that your average RIA, your average asset manager, your average like uh, uh, advisor is going to be fearful of this. All of this is going to make them more scared to come in. They're not looking for a price for entry. They're looking for it to be moving up so that they feel comfortable. This is a new asset class. So I think it's going to be a bigger, uh, uh, especially with everything that's going on around the world right now. Uh, this, uh, you know, especially before China, we still have this inflationary, global inflationary pressure. There are talks of recession. There are talks of inflation. Uh, you know, th there's all of these other issues around that I think will affect that asset class. And people will be scared to try something new. People are going to revert to uh, a flight to safety and quality. I'm telling you, I think this is going to be not three months or six months, Rand. We're talking about a year or two years before we see any activity that that reaches what what you know the crypto <laughs> folks expect. I'll tell you I'll tell you why I don't think that you're right yet. I think um, two things happen. Number one, you've got the halving, and there's going to be a big halving narrative, and that's happening in a couple of weeks. So a couple of weeks, probably three months from now, two two three months from now. And when that narrative starts to hit the market, and people say you know the supply has been cut in half, and all the all the stuff that goes around that, a lot of people are going to start buying. Also, just having been around for many, many crypto cycles in the bull market, uh, recoveries are very, very, very quick. And so far, this market showing all the signs of a bull market. Um, I think the average time from the beginning of a correction until the price actually gets back to the highest level is between 30 and 60 days in a, in a bull market. Now, Let's just let's just play that out now. So if we look at the highest level that Bitcoin hit, uh, was forty eight thousand. That was on uh, Thursday, January eleventh. So you, you know you, you could probably say that within within sixty days we kind of expect maximum we expect to be back at that forty eight thousand or above. So I mean that's maximum maximum. Guys, we're 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 in the seventh day. In fact, we're in the uh, second hour of the seventh day of spot bitcoin etfs even existing for people to put money into so let's you know relax on uh, oh this mm -hmm. is this is you know such a disappointment by the end of this week uh the blackrock spot bitcoin etf will have more than two billion dollars in it probably closer to two and a half billion dollars uh three months from right. now it'll be five billion dollars if you think that there's going to be you know this malaise associated uh with spot bitcoin etfs you know, somebody needs to tell BlackRock it's all over their front page. Uh, they're they're printing, you know, marketing materials to send out to anybody and everybody that shows Bitcoin as the alpha asset over the last three, five, ten years versus everything else. Um, again, this is the seventh trading day of spot Bitcoin ETF. So uh, yeah, a little context. A little context. Yeah, real quickly, Rand, I'm seeing it as breaking news, but it is on Coindesk now that uh, FTX sold about one billion of Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF, explaining mm -hmm. bulk of outflow. It's so there you go, Simon. They, they've already sold a billion of. They've already sold their entire holding a billion, and that's half of the two billion that's been sold.
Yeah, I mean that's we said you said that's that's uh, that that's bulk of of the art. That's not bulk. I mean they've sold sixty sixty five thousand Bitcoin. Sixty five thousand Bitcoin is three billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, more or less. So maybe one billion is is the FTX thing, which is this great, was, great the article is saying too. That's why that's what I was quoting. So it said, okay. yeah, oh, it was two one billion, of the two. That's amazing. Yeah. And just for context, one, one of the two billion was FTX. We already understand this, but the 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 fee associated with Grayscale ETF is, I mean, I don't know. It's been talked about, but hasn't been talked about enough. You know, it, it, I take a look at it and the assumption is, you know, if, if Grayscale's, you know, AUM gets down to 15 billion, that's still 300 million in, in revenue on an annual basis uh, just from their spot Bitcoin ETF. That's the only revenue of any kind that exists still at, at, at DCG who has enormous uh, bills still to pay. Um, based on who they owe and what they owe, right? So um, they made a calculation. We don't care that our spot Bitcoin ETF fee is five to 10X everybody else's. Uh, we know we're gonna take a massive hit, but we're okay with it. We'll still go on CNBC and say, oh, we've got a lot of liquidity and so that matters, which means nothing. Um, they have, you know, they have a long-term plan associated with keeping DCG afloat. Think about this. Have we all forgot that in their initial plan to pay everybody back, uh, Barry and company put into that plan that they're going to take DCG public in 2025. What revenues are they going to use to, to make DCG look like a reasonable public, you know, company to take public in 2025? Anybody have a guess? I think I probably know. So, you know, there's a there's a long term thing at play here, which is nefarious, um, but they don't care. It's within the rules, right? Um, it's within you know the ability to generate that revenue, revenue, even though it's gross. Um, it is what it is at this point, and everyone has to take into account that this is going to be part of the story for the next three to six months as more and more GBTC um, sells off. Let's also, um, I, we, Andrew and me give a lot of shit to DCG, GBTC, mm -hmm. that whole thing. But let's also remember that um, it was allegedly the comments from Ginsler and Co. that it was the court case of that tied their yep. hands. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we are. So they, they won that court case. And, uh, you know, that that's something that led to them having to approve everything. Well, it, it, the, the calculation here for DCG, for Barry and his and his folks is, you know, there's a new narrative that they can grab onto, right? It's the reason why Barry deleted all of his past tweets. This is a brand new start uh, for for their group. And, and this is the calculus that they've made. We won the court case. We helped everybody. We're, we have a new narrative where we can be the stars of crypto again. And uh, that's what they believe. And that's what they're doing. Um, the reality is, um, you know, again, they're they're dumping an enormous amount of, of Bitcoin out of the market because people don't want to pay a one and a half percent fee. And there's also people that want to have nothing to do with Grayscale and DCG. Um, but at but some Andrew point, that, that will, at some point that will abate. And, uh, you know, my guess is, is their narrative will work. Andrew, by that narrative that you're talking about, um, you would expect that the guys that are dumping GBTC to start buying into, uh, into what's the name, into, into the other ETFs. Um, so how, how much do you think, we, okay, so we now know that $2 billion of the sale of the selling was actually FTA. Mm -hmm. right? So by that, by that, by that, what you're actually saying actually does make a lot of sense that, uh, under the assumption that they've sold 3 billion and 2 billion is FTX. You could say that the 1 billion just went straight back into BlackRock and all that. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, agree. Make, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I think, and I think that there will be ongoing 
and a slow uptick, uh, you know, a slow uptick in demand as time moves along as this asset class becomes part of, and I said this last week, this asset class will become part and parcel of asset allocation conversations on a quarter by quarter basis within the wealth management world. It absolutely will simply because of the long-term performance, but that's not gonna happen on the eighth day of spot Bitcoin ETFs even existing, right? That, 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 that's not going to happen. Um, but over time, no doubt uh, it will happen. See, if you're, if, you're, um, if you're in GBTC at a high cost base and you want to exit, uh, well, everyone, everyone that's going to take that tax hit wants the price to be as low as possible. So the real GBTC wells that are looking to take the tax hit and go into another ETF. Um, they're probably being quite strategic around it, knowing that the, they're going well, to, how they're working. To the be order. fair, those types of whales probably were invested in other DCG stuff, right? That probably has, uh, you know, a, a tax number associated with zero. Um, so the reason why the velocity of the, of the sale of, of this stuff probably is significant is because that particular cost basis associated with other losses they've had associated with DCG products, loans and the like. Um, it's probably a net net, you know, zero or something around there. I, 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 I would simply oh, no. expect the, the GBTC trade to be problematic for another few months. So just hold on a second. I mean, when the market realizes that two thirds of the selling of GBTC was the liquidators, and then they do the math. They're going to realize that actually the selling is not hasn't been as intense as it, as it, as we think. That I mean that could cause a bounce, and that bounce could could cause a short squeeze. Just to be clear, Rand, sorry, it, it, you may be right that it was three billion total, but one billion of it was FTX. In case I was confusing, the, the article was saying one billion of the two billion total on CoinDesk. You're saying uh, it was three billion total, not two billion total. Sorry. And so, so why that's the whole position, right, Scott? Because if it, yeah, I think that's yeah, you you literally said that they have a billion dollars worth of GBTC, and then it was immediately reported that they've sold a billion dollars worth of GBTC. So I'm assuming that that was a full liquidation from FTX of their GBTC holdings. Who else holds guys? Who else holds GBTC that's that's wrapped up in any of these? Uh, Genesis Gemini, Ge yeah. Genesis that whole that whole Genesis Gemini. Uh, situation. I think there's a whole lot of BTC that was locked up there for the arbitrage. Uh, Gemini, they, Gemini they sold. Settled, a, they settled with me. Yeah, Gemini sold um, a huge position, if not all of their GBTC, of like I don't know, six, nine months ago. Months ago. Yeah, yeah months yeah, ago. Um, and so th that that's gone. That, that's not coming to market. Um, you know, it, it, from a macro standpoint, there's probably a reality where, you know, nine, 12 months from now, there's there's really four, maybe five significant players in the spot Bitcoin ETF space, 11 that that's not going to hold. Um, they may exist because they can just exist and they don't need to fold. But, um, you know, your, your BlackRock, Fidelity, uh, GBTC and something like Vanek or, or Valkyrie. Um, those types of folks that there's that's where the lion's share of assets are going to be and the grayscale assets are only going to exist in, at some level of scale because you know there's going to be a certain number of people that just don't sell because they're just lazy so you end up with 10 to 12 billion still left in that particular brand um, they're not going to have meaningful inflows at one and a half percent ever nobody is going to have is going to put put money currently into GBT as a spot Bitcoin ETF. No advice. Nobody is going doing that. There are no inflows into GBTC. There won't be for a until they change their fee. There, there's no chance, right? And my guess is the only time they change their fee is when DCG Barry and his group have completely recapitalized their quote unquote empire. At that point, you will see. A reduction in the fee because yeah, the empire doesn't exist without the GBTC. Correct. Fees, period. That, that's mm -hmm. correct. In terms of the bankruptcies, I think I think there's still some in three AC. I think BlockFi, they're just arguing with FTX over the Robin Hood shares. I don't think they're doing anything with GBTC. 
Celsius has got a very small position. Um, so I think I think FTX was the only major one, and there may be a a decent position in three AC. Yeah, that makes sense. I wonder. How, I just don't know how much assets they actually have. But yeah, that they were uh, pioneers of that uh, widowmaker trade. So certainly that's a huge part of it. What were you saying, Andrew? Uh, I'm just saying. You know, it's not it's not fun or quote unquote sexy to talk about the fact that we may be sitting on a you know a bit of a malaise associated with supply demand uh, with Bitcoin spot Bitcoin for a while. Um, and by a while, you know, let's call it two months, but everybody on this call knows two months feels like 20 years in crypto. Um, so, but it just kind of is what it is, right? This, this, this bleed is going to happen. You know, somebody said there were just, you know, whatever the number is that was sent to Coinbase today based on Friday's numbers. If I'm not mistaken, that's the biggest one-day amount that GBT is, GBTC has sent to, to Coinbase. Yeah, that'd be over $600 right. million, dollars, right. right, Rand? What'd you say, 15000 I think it's closer to $700 million. Yeah, I don't remember exactly the number. I think you said 15000 so yeah. Push right, so seven. like yeah. Thursday, Friday, it was like $580 million. Now, now we're above that number. So, you know, it's not as if this particular trade is slowing. It's accelerating a little bit. That's going to continue for the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, um, DCA into Bitcoin. In context of that, I'm actually kind of surprised it's still about four. Exactly. I would agree. I would agree. The, the um, you know, that's, that's significant size being moved on the sell side. Significant size. I mean, if you add it all up, in the first six trading days, I don't know if anybody's done the math. It's probably not hard to do. You know, it, it's it's a lot. Um, it's a lot. So the question is, you know, where is the strength on the buy side coming from? Um, we'll see. Yeah, is it that is it that same money on delay, or is it a unique new demand? So it's going to be hard to shake out and tell. I think. And well, the point yeah, is, we is don't that know how are where if anyone actually was short Bitcoin versus GBDC waiting to close out at zero, right? That that should be a net neutral trade. So you're selling B GDBTC, which you'll see those outflows from GBDC. Someone should have, if they were doing the ARB, and we don't know what percentage of this is, been short Bitcoin against that. So they would be buying Bitcoin. So that would be a net neutral. So I think it probably overstates it to assume all of the GBDC outflows have been net selling of Bitcoin. I suspect a decent amount has probably been net neutral on Bitcoin. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense, actually. Guys, did you cover the Mt. Gox double spend story? Did that ever get resolved? Do you know that one? No, I'm not sure I'm even aware of it. Okay, well, um, Mt. Gox um, used PayPal as a distribution partner for creditors, and um, they accidentally paid... I don't know the extent to it because they didn't reveal it, but they accidentally double paid everyone um, that were distributing through PayPal. A bunch of people withdrew their Bitcoin and one one creditor wrote back when the trust basically wrote to everyone saying, please give it back because it's obviously going to dilute other creditors. I don't know how they're going to solve that one. But one one creditor um, wrote back saying, yeah, I'll give, it, I'll give it back to you in 10 years provided you pass my KYC. Wow. It, it sounds like the SEC is running their uh, bankruptcy. They're so efficient and, uh, and, and well done. Uh, do you remember, wasn't there, was it crypto.com or blocked? I think it was crypto.com that accidentally sent the woman $50 million, like crypto.com, and she like in Australia or something. Not, not the first time we've seen something like this. I can't remember specifically. I don't want to uh, disparage them if it wasn't them. But uh, there was a story, something like that. Mario, should we move on to talking about the market? I think uh, we were trying to get to Chris before, um, just kind of circling back to what we think is going to happen here with price at forty thousand, whether it matters. I mean, Chris, what are you looking at? Yeah, so um, I, I, you know, I definitely agree with Andrew. I mean, basically everything he says, the same thing I've been saying since everybody said GBTC was going to sell off over a year ago, and I said, man, that looks like the bottom. Um, Bitcoin right now, yeah. I mean, if we break down below forty. Uh, you know, my targets are still the same, 38, 450, 35, 675, potentially 34, 510. That's the weekly pivot. Um, but that's only if. That's only if. We haven't actually broken down yet. Um, yes, we're close to it, so I'm very cautious. Um, but until we break down, I mean, 
You know, if, if we break out, say here above, um, oh, let's say probably around 42,000, I'm going to start getting a little cautious about further breakdown. Uh, if we continue up through 43, I don't know, 43,600, uh, I'm really going to be cautious about, you know, about the lack of further breakdown. Um, because at that point, I think we're probably looking at a rally up to around 46,000. And if we're hitting there, the odds are we probably break out higher. Um, and that's just based on the charts. And, and you know, and, and the same thing when we're looking at, um, you know, somebody's talking about small caps earlier. If we look RTY, which are the uh, futures, um, you know, we just finished a fourth wave pullback to the uh, to the weekly pivot. Uh, I, I think we've got a target right now of about 22, 21 coming in. And at that point, I, I believe we'll get a pullback toward the pivot here, back down here toward, uh, oh, what is that, right there, around 1935 or so. And as long as that area holds on that pullback, we should be looking for uh, for small caps, you know, the Russell to break out all new all-time highs. Um, and so, you know, a while back, I was talking with you guys and said, it looks like, you know, uh, we're going to cycle into these uh, small caps this year. And right now, there's just nothing in the chart saying, you know, really right now that we're not. So, um you know, when I'm looking at this, you know, a lot of people are making decisions uh, about what they think price should do based on emotions, based on, you know, narratives and things that they feel should happen. Uh, as, as you know, I'm, I'm very much against that. I just kind of, you know, look at the charts and go, okay, well, what, you know, what, what are the charts really kind of saying here? And it doesn't mean that we're going to read them correctly all the time, but um, I, I, th I think, you know, there's a good chance these charts are going to surprise people, continue to surprise people as they've done for the last year. Uh, you know, everybody's been fighting for the last year. They've been fighting the stocks. They've been fighting, you know, Bitcoin and crypto rallying. Um, and, and so now it's hard. You know, now it's really emotional. Now we've been rallying, rallying, rallying. Um, and, and it's hard to say, okay, well, it's going to keep going up because everybody's still now, now they're serious about looking for that entry. You know, we've had a bit of a, you know, we've had a little bit of a pullback here, but for now, a high time frame structure on Bitcoin is still holding there around that 40,000 area. So, you know, again, until that actually breaks, I think you have to be cautious about um, shorting because you just might get caught with a deep pullback and uh, then it takes off without you again. Yeah, it could be one of those very quick shorts if it's yeah, going to be successful. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling if we go much below 40, if, if we don't see the sustained, it could just be one of those crazy wicks and right back up, which uh, would uh, catch a lot exactly, of people off guard. Exactly, I think. yeah. The Mario, last thing is, have, got, yeah, yeah. Preston was here to talk about the Binance case. I know the blog put out a piece that 70, uh, it's a Bloomberg analyst, I'm not sure who exactly estimates, 70% chance of Coinbase winning the SEC case. I think we, there's a lot of hype around the Coinbase, sorry about the win, around the Coinbase versus SEC, but the Binance, sorry, Binance, not Coinbase. There's a lot of hype around the Coinbase one. We talked a lot about it, but the tomorrow's Binance as well. Um, so we'll be covering this tomorrow. Preston was here, but obviously we, got, we, we kind of got carried away with a great discussion. I'm not sure if Andrew can kind of give us an overview, Andrew or Simon, or you maybe, Scott, on the Binance case, what we're expected to see tomorrow and how important this is. I honestly haven't dug into it at all, uh, just beyond reading the headline that it happens tomorrow. Andrew, do you have any color? Um, the only color that I'd have is that, you know, um, two things probably matter here. Um, Binance is as lawyered up and is as... Um, connected from a lawyering as anybody we've ever seen going against the SEC. So their lawyers and the folks that they have involved in this case are former DOJ, former SOC, SEC. They, they you know, talk about bringing some real big guns to this particular fight. Um, at the same time, the question then becomes um, and this is a question to, to the larger group here. Um, you know, there was a settlement with the DOJ. So now we're down at the SEC stage. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, Binance is out of the U.S. So what is, you know, what are, what are we really talking about here? Unregistered um, securities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the same time, though, is this, you know, what what's gonna this is a civil you know a civil issue right so is this going to be a conversation about what size fine do we i mean what, what are we talking about here i mean honestly um it's it's an interesting what is the sec trying to get accomplished um given that they've accomplished most of what they would want to get accomplished 
um, Binance is off, you know, not in the United States. And this isn't, you know, this isn't CZ at another hearing about whether or not he can leave and how much time he may or may not um, have to serve. So it's, it feels feels strange, honestly. Uh, what what what's what's it about? Essentially, you know? so essentially, how how different? Essentially, the same. They're in the same position as Coinbase right now. But then, why is so Coinbase trying to dismiss the case? Yeah. Uh, but tomorrow is what exactly, and how important is the day? Well, that 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 you you kind of made the point for me. Like Coinbase, that that fight is obvious, right? They're 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 you know a fight to the death associated with. Um, you know, uh, unregistered securities, and and they they are the United States, you know, crypto onboard, uh, offboard, you know, behemoth, right? Um, but Binance isn't, you know, Binance US and and Binance overall. I mean, Binance has agreed where the SEC is basically, you know, going to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner in their offices for the next five years. So, what does this hit? What, What's this hearing? The story about? here that we're, this is it's really about what is and what is not a security. I mean, if you read the summaries at this point, like you said, because the DOJ has neutered part of the case anyway. So yeah. So my, my guess is is that I, I, I don't I don't know if we're going to see anything remarkable coming from uh, the the you know the going back and forth. But it's if there's a lawyer on this call, I'd, I'd really love to hear their opinion about it. What what's going? What's really going now, on? Press, yeah, Preston was here earlier. I don't see any of them in the in the audience. Uh, Scott, do you want to hit him up? We'll just do it tomorrow because I know. The, the, I think we do it tomorrow. Yeah. I think we covered it pretty yeah, good so. today. We're, can I, I ask you? Can I ask you? Yeah, now before you, can I ask you a completely unrelated question? Just because I see someone with a PulseX logo requesting to speak. And I'm like, I, I remember uh, uh, that that PulseX was pumping just a, a few weeks ago. And I'm not an investor. I don't understand the ecosystem, but I do know that we had a whole debate last mid last year and he kind of i think he did a debate on your show as well scott he went deep into it despite richard hart we don't know where his location is and i know he's facing uh investigation or, or lawsuit from the sec um and the rumors of a doj investigation if i got that right why is it pumping is there something i don't know and i was completely I, I, literally on the agenda. Was, I literally didn't know it was pumping and this is not like uh i'm not saying this in any like derogatory manager and i just don't track it it's just not on i saw radar. it i saw neither are nine thousand other coins um you know like i said i, I have i think no no ran somewhat of a fair shake I'll, i want to ask but no no but because ran was talking about it on his show and showing it on this bubble thing and, and he's saying that the whole market was down and and uh all the Richards coins were the ones outperforming the rest of the market, which caught me by surprise. I thought they were just dead after the investigation. So, um, well, good for you they're guys. Because they thought you were dead. They're pumping because you thought they were dead. That's when it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I think this is it. We'll do the Coinbase thing tomorrow. And uh, I think yep. it's a good show. I love the discussion earlier. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.